welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. On December 12th was the last time that I did Healing Sunday with you. And I, I said, I got like 8, 10, 12 things that I just call Steve stuff. Uh, maybe this is coming back to some of you. You can nod and act spiritual. Oh, yeah, I totally remember everything you preach. Um, and Steve stuff, what I, what I was trying to enumerate to you was that these are things that I've embraced in my own life, scriptures, revelations, understandings that I've activated in my own life to live in the level of divine health that I live in. I am not, <laughs> you gotta say this stuff because otherwise people, it's amazing how people always gravitate towards the negative. Like, oh, he said something that was arrogant or something. You know, God forbid someone would hear you preach and say, man, he, he, he must have meant that in a humble, godly way. But people always tend to go to the negative. So you always have to, like, over-accentuate. And so I'm not saying this in any kind of an arrogant or prideful way. I'm saying this in a very humble and thankful way to God. I'm living in a, uh, a fairly high level of divine health. Not because of anything I've done. It's by His mercy and His grace. But it also has to do with the fact that I've embraced a bunch of truths that are congruent with what God has desired for us to have. Um, if you add my 22-year-old daughter, my 20-year-old son, and the 27 years of marriage that my wife and I have had, subtracting the birth... Uh, we probably haven't had anybody in our family in a doctor's office or a hospital more than, than I can count on two hands. Uh, Kay and I were just thinking about it the other day. Uh, we haven't paid for health insurance in 14 years. Um, even if you just, so think about the, think about not just the, the physical part, like the blessing of not being worried about being sick all the time, like some people are. But how much have you paid in health insurance? Pre- not you. Uh, pick somebody up because all y'all are divinely healthy. All you YouTube people that pay health insurance. How much would you say 14 years of never paying health insurance? Amen. And if you decide to do that now, I'll take the tithe up front. You can talk to Bob. He'll make sure your envelope gets... That's one of the benefits that the Lord wants you to have. If you remember the woman that had the issue of blood, it said she went to the doctor and spent everything she had and spent 12 years going to the doctor and was worse after 12 years. So she was broke and sicker. That's what human medical science tends to do. There are some good doctors. There are some good things. There are, I'm not... I'm just saying, it is, it is not uncommon for people to spend 12 years going to doctors and they lose money and they lose health. And they still go. And here I am, I teach on divine health, living 
the way that Jesus created for us to, the reason, the living the way that God created humanity to live in the garden and living the way that Jesus intended for us to live as a benefit of his resurrection, finished work of the cross. And people get mad at me. I have been cussed at. I have been, I got thrown out of a person's house one time for trying to get somebody healed. And I know you're thinking, no way, I'm telling you. I have been vilified. I mean, people go on Facebook and call me everything but a nice guy over divine health. I'm like, if you want to be sick, be sick. Why are you mad at me? I'm living in a level of divine health. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm pressing in, in Jesus' name. <clears throat> but dear, even if you just got my results and you didn't have to pay health insurance for 14 years and raise two kids while you did that and not have to worry about and the, it's not like we didn't go anything through anything. Kay had breast cancer and she got healed. And I've had some stuff and I've gotten healed. And the kids had some stuff and they've gotten healed. So it's not like you you just like make a decision and say, okay, well, I'm saving my money. I'm not going to doctor no more. You might want to get 911 on speed dial or something. But, the, you know, we worked at this for decades to get these truths into our lives. And so these things that I'm revealing to you, these are things that we've, worked out of our sozo, our salvation, through fear and trembling. <clears throat> and the kids, too, I'll never forget when Gunner, he's not here so I can tell stories about him. He gets all red when, I, when he's here and I tell stories. But I will never forget when Gunner, he was, a, he was a little dude. He was probably four or five years old, and he was sick. And I, was, I took authority over it, and the symptoms would leave, and he'd get a little better, and then he'd get, he'd get sick again a couple hours later, and... And I'd take authority over it, and the symptoms would leave, and then he'd, he'd feel bad again. And, and finally, the Lord revealed to me, he's actually old enough to do his own stuff. <laughs> and, you know, a dad of a four-year-old son, and you're, you, know, you just want to dad him. And, and I'm like, all right, son. And I went in his room, and I sat him down, and I said, all right, you have to take authority over this, these symptoms, over these sicknesses and diseases that are trying to steal it. And, you know, obviously it's, you gotta, to explain that to a four year old, but he grew up in this environment. He's seen mom and dad cursing sicknesses and diseases and taking authority over things that were coming into our, our home and our family. And so he did, and so he's like, in Jesus' name, whatever he did, I don't remember what he did, but I, I know like, I left and shut the door to let him deal with it. Cause I knew if I'd be in there, I'd be doing that soulish, like, compassion thing and I'd be like, uh, let me help. You know, you know how you are. You nobody can do it as good as you can. And so I shut the door and I went out and I was I was silently going up and down the hallway because I'm like, man, if this doesn't work, I'm going in there and I'm gonna I'm gonna help him out. And it, you know, at first he couldn't didn't hear very much and da, da da da. But then, like after a few minutes, you heard him. I'm telling you, you get out of my body. This is my body, and you get out in Jesus' name. And he got louder and he got louder and he owned it. And I don't know, five, ten minutes later, he came out of his bedroom. <laughs> Where's the Legos? <laughs> Would you like some new ones? Because I'll buy you a million dollars worth. Way to go, son. <laughs> he owned it. And 
none of us have done it perfectly since. There's things that I'm working on in my body. There's things Kay's working on. There's things our kids are working on. This this isn't necessarily about like you cross the finish line and you never have another symptom. You never have another problem. You never have. You keep growing. This is something that you grow and you grow and you grow and you get better and you get better and you get better. You're not where I am. I'm not where you are. Maybe you're ahead of me. Maybe you're behind. It doesn't. That's not the point. The point is, is that Jesus wants us all to have his results. That's the goal. The goal is not to be like me. The goal is not to be like Gunnar. The goal is Jesus. That's the life that he has given for us to share. So last time in Steve's stuff, um, I covered three, my first top three. I'm, I'm going to recap them real quick, but first I want to uh, make sure that you understand that there is a difference between healing and divine health. Healing is what unsaved, unborn-again people need in their bodies to help them. 100% of the people that Jesus healed were not born again. It's important to understand. They were hell-bound, Satan-born sinners. And Jesus healed them all many times. The reason that's important is because how many Christians are self-condemned or they have disqualified themselves because they're like, well, you know, I'm doing this sin or I made this mistake or I did this thing five years ago and so I'm just going to be sick. Jesus healed all of them that came to him that were sinners, born of Satan, going to hell. If he was willing to do that for sinners, how much more for his own children? That is so important. Healing is gifts that God gives to people that are not born again, not saved, to express and show them how good he is. And Romans 2 14, I think it is, says it's the goodness of God that leads you into repentance. You will never condemn someone into being born again. You might condemn someone into conviction, but you'll never condemn someone into born again. The only way for someone to truly receive the good news is for someone to tell them the good news about the goodness, the love, and the grace, and the mercy of God. You can't scare someone into heaven Because if God scares people into heaven and Satan scares people into hell, then everything's all about fear. Which is the world that we live in now. Every Almost every decision people make comes from fear. That is not the kingdom of God. So what we have as a born-again child of God is divine health. Which is different than healing. Healing is sick, needs something. Divine health is, you have been made healthy because of the stripes of Jesus 2,000 years ago, and the enemy is trying to steal your health by bringing you symptoms. There's a huge difference between the two. Non-born again, non-Christian, is you are in the devil's territory, you're kind of fodder for him, and you're living in varying degrees of sickness. In the kingdom of God, you are completely, totally healed, 
healthy. You actually have so much, it overflows, and it accidentally spills out on other people if you're doing it right. And the devil wants to steal it, kill it, or destroy it. That's what the thief comes to do. So you don't have to. The reason this is important, if you're born again in this room today, you don't have to desire that God gives you healing. What you need to do is you need to figure out how to manifest what belongs to you in the health that Jesus has given you by his stripes. So you don't need to be healed. You need to release the power of health that's on the inside of you. His name is Jesus Christ, the healer. The great physician lives on the inside of you. This is one of those things that I think is kind of comical because people are like, I have a doctor. I'm like, what's her name? You know, Dr. So-and-so. What's your doctor's name? Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. Real funny preacher. He's the great physician. He lives on the inside of me. You think it's a joke. I think it's real. My doctor lives on the inside of me. I don't have to call him. I don't have to make an appointment. doesn't cost me anything. I have no co-pays, and I don't have to go see Walgreens afterwards. And you're making fun of me. Amen. Your doctor, your health, your life is on the inside of you. So as a believer, all you need to do is figure out how to get what's already in you, already there. You don't have to ask God to bring you life, ask God to bring you health, ask God to do... You don't have to do any of that. It's already there. Everything you need is already there. You just need to figure out how to release it from the inside of you. That's divine health. Third John, verse uh, 1, or third John, chapter 1, verse 2, is what I bless you with all the time. But I want you to see... Um, how 2 ties into 3 and 4. And so I'm going to read verses 2, 3, and 4 together so you understand this. Because 2 is our prophetic destiny as beloved, as the beloved family. Beloved, I pray above all things that thou, thou mayest prosper and be in. Not know about. Not hear someone else talk about. Be in. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Notice, it's in health. Not in healing. Be in. You know, if you live inside, if you lived in a bathtub, you would have crazy wrinkled skin. And you would never be dry. So if you lived in health, How would you ever be sick? Be in health. Now check this out. Even as, so this is, this is uh, the conjunction or how these things work together in our life. Even as your soul prospers. So that to the degree that your soul is living in that health is the degree that your body is going to experience that health. To the degree that your soul is living in financial health is to the degree that your finances will be manifesting that health. Your soul is like the the door. You've got the castle of your spirit, which is the spirit of Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says that when you are born again, that you have his spirit. If you do not have the spirit of Christ, you are none of his, is what it says. So you have, when you're born again, you get the Spirit of Christ. 
Your spirit is perfect. Perfect. It is the spirit of Christ. It's the same spirit, Romans 8, 11. It's the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It's the same exact thing that made Jesus the Christ. That's the spirit that you have. You have of his spirit. So your spirit is perfect. It's sinless. It's got the same power that created the universe. It's got the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's got the same power that made Jesus walk on the water. It's got the same everything that Jesus had in your spirit. But you got a soul. And I've met some of your souls. You need some prayer. Pray for me. Your soul is basically like this huge supercomputer that all of this data has gone into since the beginning of your life. And if you've had a good life, you've had good data. If you've had a bad life, you've had bad data. If you grew up in a religion or a tradition of men or, or under some kind of crazy doctrines that Jesus said make the Word of God of no effect, then that goes into your computer. If you, uh, if you had people curse you and treat you terribly and, and gone through traumatic things, that goes into your computer. And computers just process all the data and all the information that come in. And as of right now, your computer, your soul is spitting out all of the data combined together in what you believe life to be. Your exact personality right now is based on all that data that went in. Now, depending on how long you've been born again, maybe you've had some good data. You read the Bible, you get good data, you be around godly people, they give you good data, you get prophecies from the Lord, and you get good data. And so, at, hopefully, you've been since you've been born again, you have been removing old bad data, wiping your hard drive, in Jesus' name, and you've been reinstalling a new operating system, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians one twenty seven. That's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto Him. And, and that you renew your mind. Renew your mind. Through His Word. And then you will be transformed. That's the process of getting all that old data out of your computer, your soul. Now, your body, it's along for the ride. It's like the horse you've been riding your whole life. If you feed it well, treat it well, and it's got great experiences, it's going to be a good horse. Some of you others, you've been doing things to your horse that if the ASPCA knew about it, they'd put you in prison forever. Amen. Whatever your soul and your spirit come into agreement with, it's two against one, your body is going to have to receive it. But if your body and your soul come into agreement, oh my God, there's a virus out there, it's going to get me, and then I'm going to die, and then I'm going to go in the hospital twice, and whatever. If you, if your body and your soul agree, you'll get that, and your spirit will say, okay, I'll stay right here if you need me. Amen. God was the original uh, creator of the democracy. The next verse is, uh, verse 3, For I rejoiced greatly 
when the brethren came and testified, testified, of the truth that is in thee. I want you to pay attention to this truth word. All of John's letters, his epistles, were baptized with the word truth. Truth was a big, big deal to John. It should be a big deal to the church. To the church. Guess what's nuking our world right now? Lies. Lies. Amen. You know, you can only be deceived if you're deceived. The moment I bring truth and you receive it, if you're in deception, deception stops. Anybody ever been approached by one of those people from in these uh, pyramid schemes? Like, hey, I got this great business idea for you. And if you do nothing, you'll get a million dollars in six days. Oh, that sounds awesome. I'll do nothing and get six million dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, you know, give me a check for a hundred bucks. Well, hold on. And so a pyramid scheme is like, if you can, if you can manipulate, deceive enough people, you get rich. They all lose money, but you get rich. You know what destroys a pyramid scheme? A scream. A scream. What destroys a pyramid scheme? When you find out you're being deceived. Right there it's broken. And a bunch of you have experienced this where you've been lied to and lied to and lied to and then you found out the truth and you're like, oh, and the lie no longer has a power in your life whatsoever. Wait a minute, that's true? Yep, that's true. What? And some of you get mad. You should. If, it, if truth is that radical and it comes in and changes that much as a lie, you should get angry. So wait a minute, my, this world's been lying to me and I don't have to be sick and I don't have to be broke and I don't have to be oppressed and depressed. There's good news for me through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh boy, where's that devil? I'm going to kick him in the kneecap. Truth that is in thee. Notice truth in you. Not truth in me. It doesn't matter what I know. It matters what you know. It has to be in you, too. This is not a surface thing. We talk about today, uh, it's a big deal that we're trying to go around in what's called red pill people and pull people out of the matrix and, and wake up the normies and there's a ton of language for people. But here's the thing. You, you don't just give people random information and they're all like, oh, okay, great. Thanks for all the cool stuff that I'm going to now live in. No. You basically like tantalize them like, hey, did you know that this is a lie and this is true? Wait a minute, what? Yeah, you need to go home and meditate on that. It has to be in you in order to change you. The truth in me changes me, but it doesn't change you. The truth in Jesus doesn't change you. It has to be in you. Jesus said that when you know the truth, John 8.32, then the truth makes you free. But it's only truth that you know. And the word know in the Greek is nosko, and it means a deep, intimate, experiential knowledge. You don't get deep experience. Um, Kay didn't get pregnant because we heard somebody else got pregnant. We had the... We had, <laughs> verse 4, 3 John chapter 1, verse 4. 
I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, now check this out, walk in. Did you see the progression? First truth in you, and then the truth you're walking in. Now this is when it's affecting your life and your lifestyle. This is a prospering soul. So being presented with truth, which is what all of you will have today. And you can fall asleep, or you can be resurrected from the dead. I'm going to present information to your soul, to your computer. Your options are, that's cool, blah, 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 hurry up, there's a Super Bowl later. Or you can say, wow, that's awesome, that is phenomenal. I'm going to take that home, and I'm going to meditate on that. I'm going to be like a cow and chew my cud until I turn green grass into white milk. And then you're going to walk it out. That's where you activate it in your own life. You know, you can go around and say, you know, my pastor believes in divine health, and so he's seen a a lot of non-sickness in his life. It's a whole other thing when you say, you know what I've been doing for the last year? I've been walking in a higher level divine health than ever before. Bam! Now that's, that's the difference. When you're saying, you know, I read this book and this guy gets it and it's awesome and I'm going to try to get it. Or, I read the Bible and John got it. There's a whole difference when it's like, I am telling you that if you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. How could you say such a brand? Because I've seen it. I've experienced it. I'm walking in it. I've actually laid hands on sick people and seen them get healed. Well, I've never seen that. Okay. I'm not saying that people don't see this stuff. You know, a lot of people don't get saved. Does that mean that Jesus didn't do His part? Does that mean the power wasn't released? Does that mean the grace wasn't released? Does that mean that the cross was ineffective? Does that mean His blood didn't work? No, they just didn't experience it for themselves. Hosea 4.6 says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6 My people perish for a lack of knowledge. Now I want you to get this. My people. Let's Let's change this into the New Testament. My people. So you could say born again Christians are dying and being destroyed because they don't have the knowledge. One of the reasons that you're in this church, hopefully is because your old church didn't preach this stuff. Amen. Amen. Hopefully. God's people are not hearing the truths about the finished work of the cross. I have, a, there's a, I have an email right now on my email account from a gal in Ohio saying, can you please find me a church out here that believes how you believe? Please. And the sad thing is, some of the reason that some of you drive as far as you drive, I'm not saying that there isn't anybody else out there. Obviously there is, but I do realize that we're in a remnant. I'm okay with that. 
But I'm going to present the truth to you. You can reject them. You can get mad at me. You can cuss me out. You can send me emails. You can leave. You can never come back. You can do whatever you want. But I'm going to present you the information. Hopefully, at least what you do is meditate on it, chew on it. Proverbs 29:18 says that my people are destroyed because they don't have any vision. You, uh, and specifically in that vision, it's talking about a prophetic vision. Which means if you don't understand what God says about your direction, then you're on your own direction. Yeah. Amen. That would be like driving through a maze in pitch dark. And then getting mad at God because you hit a wall. He's a light unto your path, a lamp unto your feet. Notice it's your path and your feet that God's lighting up. That's super important. Isaiah 5.13 Therefore my people are gone into captivity, which means slavery happens to God's people because they don't have knowledge. Oh boy. Amen. I'm the church that preaches about the holy cause of liberty and freedom and, and woohoo, Braveheart Church. And people in here are in slavery. You know you are. You can sit there and act spiritual and pious, but you know that there are places in your life that are in captivity to other forces that are not God. And one of the reasons is because you have not embraced the knowledge that you need. Some of it could be arrogance because you think you got it all figured out. Some of it is that you literally think that you're disqualified. We covered that. Because I know a lot of people where I said, hey, you're this and this and this. And they say, no, I'm not that. That's for somebody else. No, really, it's you. His blood is universal. It's for all men. If you're born of a woman, you got the opportunity. Did I cover everybody? <laughs> Health comes from a revelation of the finished work of the cross. Jesus living on the inside of you. Specifically, and I'm going to give you these three references. Uh, we'll look at them real quick, but they're basically the same thing. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Um, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was upon him. It means the payment, the punishment to give you peace was on him. And with his stripes you're healed. There, there's no other way. You, you, you don't get there some other way. You don't get to... John 10 talks about that the thief that's actually in there isn't necessarily specifically Satan. It's satanic. The thief tries to get into the sheepfold some other way. You're, you're not going to get into healing, health, God's plan for your health some other way. This is the way. It goes through the stripes. If you don't get it by the stripes, you don't get it. Well, I don't know. I used to be sick and I had chemo and da 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 da. We could probably chat. 
Chemo is not meant to make you healthy. Matthew 8.17, this is right in the middle of the Gospels, and this is Matthew watching Jesus and then literally quotes because he's watching Jesus heal everybody and he's like, man, surely that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. While Jesus was healing people, casting demons out of people, Matthew's like, wow, this is it. Like, this is literally Isaiah coming to pass. Right here in front of my eyes. And then Peter, in 1 Peter 2.24, he comes back from a past tense, and then he looks back to the cross, and he says, the, he quotes from Isaiah 53 the same thing, except he quotes it in a past tense. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. And so you got, you got in history, you got Isaiah looking forward to the cross. Isaiah 53. And then you got Matthew looking at the man on the cross saying, this is what Isaiah talked about. And then you got Peter in the future looking back to the cross and saying, there's where healing took place. This is just the same for you. This is where healing took place. His stripes, his finished work at the cross. That's what Peter talked about. That's what Isaiah talked about. That's what Matthew's seen. That's your healing. You don't get it any other way. Now, James 1, 25, and then 2, 14, and then 17 through 24. I know this, I'm going to do a bunch of verses, but I'm, I'm just giving you my stuff. <laughs> I'm opening up my briefcase. Hopefully you can see all the stuff that's in it. So James 1, 25. Uh, I got the, do the, the Jeopardy thing. Do, do, do. Uh, don't do that. Amen. These are so many verses that if I would have opened up all these tabs, I would have been messed up. So I'll just do it. James one twenty five says, But uh, whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty... This is why you need a Bible. Because you're being handicapped by a screen. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues... So you look into liberty and continue to look into liberty... You know, you don't just get liberated one time and you're free. You get liberated to start your freedom. Oh boy. Back to this, because I will take off on that plane. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. So there are people that hear... Okay, let me say it this way. In this room, there are people that have really heard, taken into them, and on purpose put it into action in their life. And there are people in this room that have sat in the exact same amount of time, in the exact same environment, under the exact same teaching, that are pretty much about where they were when they started. Well, if you were a better preacher, I know. He being not a forgetful hearer, you know the difference is? Some people actually hear, and then on purpose hear, 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 hear. Some people hear and forget. 
but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And the word blessed here means empowered to prosper. So if you want to be empowered to prosper in that thing that you're hearing, you've got to be hearing, 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 walking it out, putting it into you, and being changed by it. James, this is a big deal for James. So in James 2, I think, what did I say, 14? What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Well, we're saved by faith. (laughs) Amen. You're saved by grace through faith. Faith by itself cannot save you. Grace by itself cannot save you. You have to have both. Grace is God's part coming down unmeritedly into your life. Faith is you receiving what God has. There's a lot of people that know God's good and that God's dispensing things and they see other people's lives being blessed and they think, well, God's just giving it to him because he's pretty and I'm not. No, God is showering down grace universally for every person to receive. But some people catch it in a teacup, some people in a thimble, and some people are wheeling out 55-gallon drums like, bring it, bring it. Amen. I'm getting me a swimming pool. I'm going to build it in the backyard. Rain on me, Father. Can faith alone save him is, is a way that you could interpret that. In verse 17, it says, Even so faith, if it have not works, is dead. Being alone. Do you realize the radicalness of that statement? Dead faith? Faith that's not alive. You know how many people have told me, I believe, da-da-da-da, pastor? I'm like, okay. I'm not saying you don't believe, but I'm telling you that your faith is dead. Dead people can't carry stuff. Dead people can't go places. Dead people can't experience things. They exist. Amen? Your faith can actually be dead. Think about that. That is such a radical statement. Yea, a man may say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Oh, I could go for hours on this. You, people tell you all the time what they believe. Have you noticed that? Like, this is the cool thing to do. Like, oh, here's what I believe, and here's what I think, and this is my opinion. Okay, great. Are you living that? Well, I'm not living any of it, but that's what I think. Okay, you don't actually believe that. I believe that God healed me. I believe I'm in divine health, and then I open up your medicine cabinet, and I get covered by the avalanche of prescription drugs. You, you don't believe that. I'm not, okay, I haven't been to anybody's houses and peeked in your medicine cabinet. So if you're thinking I'm some creepazoid, I'm just using this as an example. I've never been to your house and looked in your medicine cabinet. I don't even think we have a medicine cabinet. Anyway, well, I was distracted. The, if you are literally believing it, you're going to walk it out. That's why I said 14 years ago when Kay and I said we're not going to have health insurance. You know, I caused no small stir at my corporation. I was the first employee in the history of the company since 1955 that said, I am not going to have health insurance. I had to have a conversation with the CEO. 
I was a division vice president, so I was, you know, I was kind of a big man on campus. But he's like, Steve, are you getting somewhere? Are you quitting? Are you going to some other job? Did you, are you cheat? Did your wife, you know, get? I'm like, nope, we just don't need it. He's like, Steve, what happens if, if you get a cancer or if something happens or you get in a car wreck or, you know, if you get, I'm like, hey, 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 I love you. None of those things are going to happen to me. You can't guarantee that. You can't. I'm like, you're right. I can't. He can't. And he did. Amen. And even when the bad things happened, because they did, I, we were in car wrecks and Kay had to uh, beat breast cancer. And, and when those things happened, we just didn't have a plan B. Well, hopefully God will heal me. But if he won't, we'll be able to go to the doctor because we got insurance. And I'm not picking, if you, if you, okay. God bless you if you have health insurance. I'm not picking on anybody in here. I'm giving you Steve stuff. If you don't like the way Steve did it, fine, do it your way. I don't give a rip. I'm just saying that this is an opportunity for you to, maybe that you didn't previously have information to meditate on. Maybe God wants you to have health insurance. I don't know. I'm, I need to move on. Thou believest that there's one God? You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. That is literally one of the most sarcastic verses in the entire Bible. How many times have you heard someone say, Well, I believe there's a God. You and Satan both. Congratulations. You are on equal faith level as Satan. Amen. There's a lot of people that sit in church and they're like, well, I believe in God. I'm sitting in church. Okay. Satan's here too. Amen. Some of you brought him. <laughs> you <laughs> Notice how I didn't look at anybody. He looked right at me when he said that. Just believing that there is a God, just believing that there is healing, just believing that there, that there was a Jesus, just believing that he did die on the cross, just believe. You're not any different than random historian or Satan. Believing that those things are yours and for you is where it changes. And then living your life from those truths. That's why James said, you tell me what your faith is, I'm not even going to tell you. I'm going to show you. Kay and, I, Kay and I live this in our marriage. We don't tell each other we love each other. I mean, we do every once in a while, but very, very seldom does she ever hear from me or do I ever hear from her, I love you. You know why? Because we live it. Amen. We live it. I prefer her. I cherish her. Amen. Amen. I don't have to say it. You know, you won't find a single verse in the entire Gospels where Jesus ever told someone that he loved them. Not one verse where Jesus ever said to a single human being, ever, I love you. So did he not love anybody? Or did he love everybody with all of his possible ability and because he didn't have to, because he showed it so well, he didn't have to say it? Amen. 
I want to live my life that way, where I don't have to tell anybody what I believe. Here's what I believe. Watch. That's when you know it's real faith. The devils believe and tremble. Uh, Actually, sometimes the demons believe more than some of the Christians, because at least the demons tremble. At least they tremble at the thought of God. Many Christians are like, whatever, I don't need to honor God. But wilt thou know, O vain man, I did not write this. Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. James here makes it exceptionally clear that what a person believes about the health that flows from Christ on the inside will look like something. An action, a lifestyle, a behavior, a fruit. Steve Castle's definition of divine health. You don't have to write this down. This is my personal definition. I apply this in my own life. Possessing and manifesting the quality and the quantity of life that Jesus himself has right now. A born-above disciple is wholly healthy, spirit, soul, and body. When a soul is healthy, it is walking in the truth, transformed by the spirit word of God. When a body is healthy, it is fit and shapely. In addition to void of sickness, disease, and symptoms associated with the fall and or the curse. Well, I got this diabetes from my great-grandpa. That sounds like the curse. If you're born again, you know you're born again. So whatever your great-grandpa had, stopped at the cross. Amen. You got a new DNA. Or you don't. I mean, you don't have to. You you can have your hand-me-down cancer or hand-me-down heart disease or whatever. If you if you want that, you can totally look at the perfect law of liberty that I'm giving you right now and then go away and not walk it out. It's your, you're free to do that. I'm just telling you that you also have an opportunity to be born again and you didn't have to have any sickness or diseases hereditary passed down through your bloodline through the cross and get into your new life. It can all stop at the cross. Your call, your choice. The last time I ministered this, the number one thing that I told you that I do, Steve's stuff, the number one thing that I say that I have had a, a revelation of that I've interacted in my own life was I showed you the multiple scriptures, but specifically three of them, one in Matthew chapter 15, one in Exodus chapter 20, and one in Ephesians chapter 6 that says, honor your mother and your father, and then your life will go well. That's the number one thing for me. I honor my mother and my father and my now in heaven stepfather and my stepmother. And because I I don't honor them to be healthy, I honor them. And I know there's health associated with it. Some of you uh, have had um, strife and contention and anger and unforgiveness towards your parents. For as long as you can remember. 
and you're hoping that that doesn't have anything to do with your health, you're going to get it some other way. You're going to go around the sheepfold and come in the back door some other way. Maybe you're going to get away with it. If you get away with it, let me know. Call me up, tell me I'm a liar, and you, you, you're walking in divine health while you're hating your parents. Number two, I told you last time, honor authority. This doesn't fly in American Christianity for any reason, because nobody's in charge of you. God put zero people in authority in your life. You are the king. You are your own God under Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I have no pastor. Uh, I'll just remind you, Hebrews 13, 17, 13, 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you. New Testament, after the cross, church. Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. Remember how all that divine health flows into your body? It's through that soul. They watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. Don't make me be griefing. For for that is unprofitable to you. Now check this out. It's not unprofitable to me. As the shepherd, if people don't follow the leading of me shepherding them, it's not unprofitable to me. In other words, I'm going to be fine. God's going to take care of me. He's going to, he's going to honor me and value me for me doing the, what he's called me to do. It's not unprofitable for me. It's unprofitable for you. This word unprofitable in the, in the Greek was only used one time in all of Scripture. One time. And it literally means to have unfavorable symptoms in your life. And it's actually used in the medical usage of the word. Man, think about that. The third Steve Stuff thing was honor the body and the blood. Specifically talking about the Lord's Supper or communion. Do not take that lightly. Now, communion has a double meaning. Uh, What Dr. Benchimer talks talks about is a contronym. There are two aspects to the communion. The blood in the body obviously is talking about his blood... And his broken body on the cross, his blood providing healing for, uh, his, bl- his body providing healing for you, his blood providing forgiveness from your sins. But also remember that we are the body of Christ. Amen. First Corinthians 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 all together say over and over that we are the body of Christ. So if you're not honoring the body, that means you could be sitting in the same building with someone thinking, you know, that guy over there, I don't even like that guy. Why is he even in church? If you're dishonoring the body of Christ, remember Christ is the head. We are the body. Not honoring the place that God has put you in a local church could potentially cause terrible consequences in your physical body and make you fall asleep early. I didn't write it. God wrote it. That was number three. I covered that last time we got together. So number four, and likely the only thing that I'm going to be able to cover. I have lots of these things. I recapped fast. No, 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 no. That's a welfare clap. Number four, 
godly attitude or a godly mental disposition? Your mentality, your attitude at life, in life, has a ton to do with your health. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you think that you're, de- you're depressed, if you think that you're sick, if you think you're a sinner, if you think you're condemned, if you think that you're filled with shame, if you think God don't like you, if you think the whole world don't like you, guess what you'll have? Whatever you think. If you think you're stupid, if you think you're ugly, amen. if you think you're imperfect, whatever you think you are. Now, if you think you've been washed by the blood, if you think that you have the Spirit of Christ, if you think you've been healed by His stripes, if you think you have the mind of Christ, if you think that you have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, if you think that you have God as your, as your rear cover, if you think that you have the sword of God in your hands, if you have the belt of truth on it, whatever you think is what you have. And you can tell what a person thinks by looking at their garden. The fruit in your life. You walk around sucking lemons and you're always in an argument with somebody and you're always mad at somebody and that, and you're always a victim and you can't tell me, no, I really think about godly things. No, you don't. I'm standing in front of your garden. There's carrots. I never planted carrots. There's carrots. You planted carrots. Well, I didn't mean to. Well, that may be okay. Maybe you didn't mean to. You accidentally thought on really terrible things for a long time. That's very immature. Amen. Proverbs fifteen thirteen. A good countenance, a merry heart uh, makes a cheerful countenance. <sighs> nope. That is an opportunity right there. Well, I'm not going to be merry about nothing. Do you see what's going on in the world? All these terrible people. And the way you're preaching, you've got all up in my sandbox. I'm not going to be merry. Amen. You just keep on sucking lemons. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, your spirit is broken. You know how many people literally live from, feed from sorrow? You know what happened to me when I was eight? Oh my God, you're 50. So what the devil did to you when you were eight is stronger than what Jesus has done for you for the last 42 years? Really? I've had terrible stuff happen to me. I could be as traumatic and as dramatic as as some other folks too. But I've just choose to let the cross be more real in my life than any of the loss that the devil tried to do to me. Proverbs 17.22. Amen. A merry heart does good like a medicine. You know, if you took this as a medicine as much as you take your medicine, you might be surprised by the outcome. There are no side effects whatsoever with God's medicine. None. A merry heart... Last year when we were uh, driving up the mountain to go to the minister's conference, because we stayed in a hotel down here, and we took, was there 13 or 17 of us? I don't know. We took the whole staff to the minister's conference, and we stayed in this place down here, and so we had to drive up the mountain every day. And we were driving up the mountain in the big van, and um, Kay and I were sitting in the front seat, 
and I was driving, and it was like laughing in the back of the van. There was snorting, there was guffawing, there was LOLing, there was ROFLing, there all the, it was, I was like, and the van was moving from the laughter, in the, and I was like, this is our leadership team. And I know you're thinking like, oh, you're a terrible, I'm thinking our leadership team loves being together so much and loves each other's company and are so happy with the life that they have and what we're doing right now that I couldn't have calmed this bunch down if I had to. I would have probably screamed at them, hey, shut up back there, but oh, pastor screaming at us, that's another joke. <laughs> there, you know, merriness is in you. It doesn't come to you, it's already in you, it's in your spirit. You can let it out anytime you want. And you can tell your face about it sometimes too. Nobody. De- Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28 is, if you don't know that chapter, you need to know that chapter. This is the blessings and the curses of the law. The blessings we get because Jesus Christ was made a curse for us. In Galatians 3.13, it says, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree, so that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. And so all of the blessings in Deuteronomy 28 are ours freely because of what Christ did. And he was made a curse for us, for cursed is everybody that hangs on a tree. So all of the curses belong to Jesus because of what he did on the tree. And Deuteronomy 28, 15 verses is the blessing. Then you got a 16th verse as a transition. And then 17 through 68 are curses. That's a lot of curse. One of those curses in verse 47, it says, Because you served not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and gladness of heart. Oh, dear Jesus, they were prophesying American Christians. Because people can't serve God. Oh, you want me to be a servant at the church? You want me to work in the nursery? Uh, uh. Kids, puke. Because you didn't serve the Lord with your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart. For the abundance of all things. Check this out. Therefore shall you serve your enemies. Which means you either serve God with joyfulness and gladness and you're grateful for all the abundance that he did or you're going to serve the devil by default. And I can tell you there's a ton of believers that their lives look like they give a lot of glory to Satan. And you can even hear him testify, oh, pastor, you know what Satan did to me this week? No, I don't, and I don't want to know. Did Jesus do anything for you this week? I don't know. You're focusing on the wrong person. James 3.16 says that where there's envy and strife, there is confusion and a couple of bad things. You know what every means in the Greek? Oh boy. You know, that strife that the devil's trying to get you in with people, especially people in the body, especially leaders, this is the trap. Because he wants to usher every evil thing in your life and he needs a door. Strife, envying, and confusion. Why do you think these tyrants 
in today's world, in government, keep moving the goalposts. Oh, well, well, we'll lift all the restrictions when we get to this magic number. No, 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 sorry, we got a new Omnicron now, so we're going to move the goalposts over here, now it's this number. No, you, just, you need to get your, your vax, your dust shot, you need to get an inoculation. And the, no, 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 then you need a booster. Well, and then you need a booster. And then you need a booster. It's boosters for everybody! It's keep moving. Why? To confuse you. You wear the mask in, in this building, but not in this building. When you're inside of here, not, not but when the kids, you know, everybody else don't have to wear a mask, but the kids do. It just, you keep moving everything around and it gets confusing to you. And when you get into confusion, then the enemy's like, I got him. I got him. So if you don't play all their reindeer games, you don't get confused. I am the least confused person that you'll ever meet. I am the most simple-minded, simple-thinking person you ever meet. If, it's, if it ain't God, if it ain't logic by the Scriptures, if it, if it doesn't line up with the finished work of the cross, well, you're naive. Okay. My simplicity is working pretty darn well for me. Isaiah 26.3 God promises you this. If you keep your mind stayed on Him, he, now this is radical, because most of the things in the Christian life, you have to on purpose do yourself. This is one of those awesome things that are in the scripture that says, if you do this, I, God himself, will keep you in perfect peace. You know what perfect peace is? Oh, man. Most people don't even have imperfect peace. And so they have no grid for perfect peace. But you know what perfect peace is? This is Jesus. This is no matter what comes up. This is Pilate saying, I'm going to kill you. Dude, you have no clue who you're talking to. This is uh, the folks that are coming up, they're going to throw them off a cliff. This is the... The scribes and the Pharisees that wanting to argue with him. This is a demon-possessed guy that's got 6,000 demons. And Jesus is like, oh. Oh, man, I prayed too long. It's night and the boat left. I'll just walk across the Sea of Galilee. Perfect peace. He had so much peace on the inside of him that a storm of wind came up. And the Bible says it was a mega storm. Mega and this storm came up, and it was sinking the boat, and it was stirring up the Sea of Galilee. And the scriptures, if you look at it in the original Greek, the scriptures said Jesus stood up in the boat, and he said, Peace! And the entire continent listened to him. He released with one word, just a little bit of the peace that was on the inside of him, and all of heaven and earth bowed its knee to his peace. And you're worried about what your boss is going to do? You're worried about what supply chain thing? You're worried about what virus? Virus? He said peace and calmed a megastorm? Perfect peace. God will do this for you if you keep your mind stayed on Him. The reason that you're in turmoil is because you're thinking about turmoil. Last verse, Romans 8, 5 through 7. This is in the NLT. I don't even know. Oh, we do have it. Praise God. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Sin means to miss the mark. 
If you are not living in perfect divine health, you are sinning. You are missing the mark. God's mark for you is perfect divine health. This is so important for us to embrace. God wants you in perfect divine health. Sin means to miss the mark. Doesn't mean you're committing sin or doing it. Like you, you don't take this in. So many people can't filter through uh, language. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. They think about missing the mark. Okay, I'm not going to be in perfect divine health. So what's what, what's like four steps under there, and I'll just think at that. And that's okay if that's four steps above you. If you're completely destroyed in all the areas of your life, then think about two or three steps ahead and shoot for that. But then when you get there, shoot for that. And then when you get there, shoot for that. Keep going. Don't stop where you're at. If you're living in divine a level of divine health right now, great! Go higher. And give away some to people on the way. Those that are dominated by the sinful nature think about the sinful things, but those that are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please... The Spirit. What pleases the Spirit? You being healthy. Next verse, please. So letting your sinful nature control your mind, your mentality, leads to death. You know, there's a lot of ways to die that don't include just drawing your last breath in a hospital when you're 92. Some people right now are living in death in some areas of their life. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting your spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. (laughs) Never agrees with God. This is why the left never agree with God. They are hostile to the things of God. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws. And it never will. Your mentality either aligns with what God said. In Philippians, Paul told, I know I said last verse, but I'm just quoting this. You don't have to even look. (laughs) Philippians 4, 8, 9 says, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if if there be any virtue and there be any praise, think on these things. You know, you should write those things down and put them on top of your glowing screen. Is this true? Is this lovely? Is this righteous? It might change your glowing screen activity. Whatever you think on is going to produce fruit in your life. Your thoughts are like seeds that go into your heart and they spring up. All right. I'm done for now. I covered one thing. So the next Healing Sunday, we'll move down the line. We'll move down the list. All right, please rise, and I'm going to start. I'm going to end with what I started with. Third John, chapter one, verse two. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us, as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at eight one five. 990-0367 Always remember that you are a part of the beloved family of God and beloved church is the place where you are greatly loved.
Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things, that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body. And all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.